Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sci-Fi Unchained. Really quick, I just wanted to invite everyone to join our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Well, there is a Twitter, but I don't really use it that much. And to be honest, all I use Facebook and Instagram for is funny memes, a compelling conversation or two, and an occasional episode update. But anyway, come on over and join us and enjoy the episode. All right, let's get into talking about what makes a truly great Sith Lord. So I have been covering a variety of truly great and powerful Sith Lords, some of the best of the best. Granted, there are dozens of notable Sith Lords that I have left out, and I'll talk about it at a later date. But the ones I have discussed thus far are those that I consider the ones to have been the foundation stones by which Star Wars lore and other even greater Sith have been able to stand on the shoulders of and make themselves truly extraordinary. Whether it be through their abilities in the Force, with their uh, respective beliefs of varying Sith doctrine, their stance on militarism versus uh, operating in the shadows, or their skills with the lightsaber. I have considered all of these attributes these uh, past couple of weeks when discussing these and other Sith Lords. All of these attributes and their relevance certainly must be taken into account with a few things in mind, like who the individual's enemies were at the time, the state of the galaxy, uh, the technologies available, the masters who preceded and or instructed them. Do they have an established domain, or must they build it from the ground up? To be fair, no one Sith embodies the best answers to any of the subjects in inquiry. So, in general, the matter of who is the best Sith of all uh, lords ever is entirely subjective and up for endless debate. And it is not that difficult to find any number of videos or exposés reasoning why, say, Sidious, Fishiet, Ragnos, or Horde, any of those guys, are the most powerful of all time. Though, I would caution any attempt at making one Sith out to be the most dominant and absolute without considering all of the aforementioned questions. Asking which Sith truly stands out as the greatest of all time, it then becomes much more of a subjective question than answer game. It's like asking which football franchise is the best, or seafood versus steaks, burgers versus pizza. The debates would be endless. But to me, <sighs> a truly standout Sith without saying who it is or who my opinion on who is the best Sith might be is one that is a healthy balance of being a warrior, master manipulator, strategist. They have the mastery of their respective path in the Force. They have a plan and not only sticks to that plan, but succeeds in it and moves on to bigger and better plans. Whether those are domination of the galaxy, establishing their own empire or shadowy organization, transcending death, whatever it may be, as long as the Sith in question achieves their goals and advances forward, 
then grows because of it and becomes more of a threat to their enemies. They are the cream of the crop. Because we have literally hundreds of examples of Sith who have just absolutely failed and fall short of even coming close to achieving what they set out to do on their respective paths. So a contentious figure that you could go back and forth on uh, in this respect is Darth Maul, or rather formerly Darth, now just Maul. We cannot say for certain what Maul's goals are at any one time. Uh, they seem to fluctuate a little bit. Uh, so as we see in Maul's return, his ultimate goal seems to be killing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, Then he goes off and cuts out a large portion of the galactic underworld for himself to rule for a while. Then he rules Mandalore for a while. Uh, firstly, to use Duchess Satine to lure Kenobi to the planet to kill him, although I'm not quite sure how he knows about their prior relationship. Maybe there's something in Clone Wars that I'm forgetting or that I missed. I, I'm not sure. But um, so after Sidious uh, imprisons him, after defeating him on Mandalore and uh, Maul breaks out, he returns to Mandalore uh, in an effort to put the planet to heal to try and lure Anakin and Kenobi. But this time, it's not necessarily to kill Kenobi, it's to kill Anakin, to deny Sidious his new apprentice. So his focus has shifted. We, we can say that his, uh, his other goals are, are secondary or tertiary even, um, creating his shadow collective, his, his army of underground crime lords, and, and his established network of uh, scum and villainy. You could argue, and very rightly so, I think, that all of these were secondary and tertiary objectives. I think you'd be right 100% of the time. However, they do start to nudge Maul's character into having more depth. And I, I, I do want him to focus on his objective of killing Kenobi, but I also want the character to uh, be a bit more broad. I, I, I want there to be more depth to the character. And that includes having these other goals, right? I mean, my, my goal is to put out this podcast as much as I can. But it's is it my primary or is, uh, you know, the other two jobs I have, uh, writing some short stories, um, doing other couple of things, are those taking precedent somehow? You kind of forget that Kenobi is his main objective in the Clone in the Clone Wars TV show for a hot minute because he's doing all of these other things, and I think that's a healthy thing. I I think uh, that's a that's a example of good character writing and and good character design. But um, his drive was his revenge on Kenobi for making him a half-baked Sith. Womp womp. 
and he gets killed for his efforts by Kenobi on Tatooine. Though at the end, uh, dying in Kenobi's arms, Maul asks if, quote-unquote, he is the chosen one. It is implied by Maul that uh, whoever Kenobi is on Tatooine to protect, uh, whoever Kenobi's protecting on Tatooine is the chosen one, and that uh, he will avenge them. Will avenge them of what? Did Maul share some kind of kinship with Kenobi? Well, in a lot of ways, yes. But this is becoming another episode entirely. Maul's goals become multifaceted as uh, in Rebels he seems to be more concerned with the downfall of Sidious and Vader. Uh, th- that's why he goes to Morban, right? Uh, so he wants to take them and their empire out. And it, he he's more concerned with that than his obsession with Kenobi. So that seems to uh, uh, kind of replace killing Kenobi as his primary objective. Did Maul fail? Yes, in every major way. Did he have success? On a grand scale, no. He, he didn't shake things up nearly as much as he would have liked. Uh, though he did accomplish quite a lot of powerful features, uh, organizing a vast shadow collective, conquering a world of warriors, surviving for 20 years in a galaxy with nothing but enemies. It, Maul is far from an example of a Sith loser. Now, in that same mindset, we can judge other Sith uh, by his standard the same way we judged others by Vader's when he got all of his limbs chopped off. Um, Sith like Nihilus, Naga Sadao, Tula Kord, etc. There are Sith, however, that we do have to have a little more in-depth analysis of to see if they truly accomplish what they set out to do and then some. Right? Sidious, Vader, Vitiate, a small handful of Sith like this, they stand atop the rest because they were either never unseated by their enemies, they ruled their respective realms mightily, and either crushed or played games with those who opposed them. I think it's fair to say <laughs> that I prefer the Sith in most ways over the Jedi for a litany of reasons, chief among them, uh, because if the Jedi had to face an embodiment of what their hypocrisy before the Clone Wars was, they would have crumbled far faster than Sidious would have been able uh, to overthrow them. So I I like the organization or, or whatever alignment that doesn't crumble under intense pressure. Or, or facing what they truly are. Um, but, you know, when faced with hypocrisy and false, falseness, the Sith will just kind of laugh at you and shrug off anything that you try and make them face. Well, that and they'll just end up killing you. So as a matter of survival, amongst many other reasons, I'm sticking with the Sith. Now, of course with Disney in charge, Star Wars is going to give us a further definition and new outlooks on the Sith. And it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. 
Uh, we're, we're, I, I haven't read the High Republic yet, but I don't think that there's Sith in it. It, it looks to be this new enemy called the Nil, the Nile. As far as I know, they're space bikers, but but they're they're evil space bikers. <laughs> That's all I know. Um, and we also have to wait and see what they do with the Old Republic era because there are subtle references to people like Darth Revan. Um, see the Rise of Skywalker uh, art book and the Central Guide. So some of this is good. Some of it is absolutely awful. But Disney Star Wars is truly in its infancy when compared to the old EU, which grew and matured for over 40 years. Disney has only had Star Wars for nine, I think. And they've given us, you know, for only having a franchise for nine years and putting out five movies, uh, an animated series, a live action series. And because of the success of some of those, uh, being able to roll out will being able to be justified in rolling out a whole lot more projects that that look really really cool and promising and fun and I'm excited for them even though I hadn't been a fan of a lot of what Disney Star Wars has given us um you, you know I'm I'm excited I'm I'm willing to give this much more of a shot and the things that for me that have saved that have been of course the the last season that uh, Dave Filoni came back and did uh, of the Clone Wars and that's how we get the Bad Batch uh, series that's coming out this year of course the Mandalorian I, I, I can't be a bigger fan of that show I got a I got uh, what is this? A foot and a half uh, Din Djarin on my desk. Um, and every everything that's been promising that's come out of that, of that series, that short 16-episode series so far. Uh, we've gotten Ahsoka Tano back. We've gotten a reference to Grand Admiral Thrawn. He's still alive and, wor and working out in the galaxy somewhere. Maybe he's with the Empire of the Hand. There's so much in, in so many directions that we could go here. And I am super excited. But yeah, that's all I really had for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for tuning back in. And stick around for more Sci-Fi Unchained. But for now, live long and prosper, my friends. And may the Force be with us all.